Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Markey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host, Paul Markey, and I'm going to be totally honest with you today. I think that uh, this could be probably one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, we're going to be talking about plantar fasciitis today. It's probably my favorite diagnosis um, to, to work on, to treat, to evaluate. And uh, really, oh, I've always loved plantar fasciitis. And uh, so uh, let's have some fun with this today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about who's at highest risk of getting this uh, and uh, how do you treat these and what are the common signs and symptoms of plantar fasciitis. And the, the, the interesting thing about plantar fasciitis is that it's in my opinion, so easy to diagnose, but so easy to misdiagnose. There are so many other things that could look like plantar fasciitis. So like I've said in the past, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, but smells like a skunk, it's probably not a duck. And um, I've seen this with plantar fasciitis. I've seen patients who have been treated for plantar fasciitis for months and months and months, and they just never get better just to find out that it is really something else. Um, and so um, let's uh, let's uh, get started. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, plantar fasciitis and, and and what does it look like? Okay, so first question I ask people when I'm suspicious of plantar fasciitis is in the morning when you first get up and take your first couple steps, are you absolutely miserable? And they'll absolutely say yes, okay? And they'll classically tell you this, I get up out of bed, the bottom of my foot hurts a lot or my heel hurts a lot, and I take like 10 or 12 steps and it starts to feel better. And then I'll proceed to to tell them and kind of predict this because when when patients um, see you anticipate what it is that they're having, um, they really have a lot of faith in you and uh, they really will believe and, and listen to you a lot better. So I'll tell them, yeah, and then you sit down at lunchtime and for half an hour, maybe grab a bite and then you get up and you're miserable again. And then it kind of loosens up a little bit after 10 or 12 steps. And then toward the end of the day, the bottom of that foot becomes tired and achy and sore. And, you know, 95% of the time, they will tell me that exact story right there. Okay. So that's classic signs of plantar now, if somebody comes in and they say, no, I don't have any problems in the morning when I take my first couple steps, usually gets worse as the day goes on. I'm really starting to be suspicious that there's something else uh, more so than just plantar fasciitis. So what is plantar fasciitis? It's it's an inflammation, irritation, and, and overuse syndrome that causes an irritation to the plantar surface of the foot. Okay, this fascia is a band-like structure um, and very, very strong, tough structure. And uh, so that becomes irritated. And, you know, if you, if you think about why it continues to be irritated and why people can have it for so long, like I, most of my patients come to see me and say, I've had this for six months to a year because I thought it would get better. They all tell me the same story. Okay. But you need to remember this. Okay. If you're a 150 pound person, Every step you take is two times your body weight on your foot and ankle, okay? And the average person takes 6,000 steps a day, okay? So if we average out men and women, uh, it's 6,000 steps a day. It's 3,000 steps per foot, okay? So 3,000 steps times 300 uh, pounds of pressure every time that foot strikes the floor. That's uh, 900,000 pounds of pressure. That's 450 tons of pressure in one day on one foot 
if you weigh 150 pounds. Okay, now if you weigh 200, 250 pounds, 300 pounds, it's significantly more than that. So it takes up a, a tremendous amount of stress and pressure. So it's very, it can be very difficult to treat, especially if people um, can't get off their feet and, and take a break. So one point, you know, 2 million to 1.5 million uh, people a year seek medical attention for plantar fasciitis. It's an extremely common problem, extremely debilitating. So, um, you know, what are some of the causes of plantar fasciitis? Well, number one, in my opinion, gastroxoleus tightness. Okay. I see this over and over and over and over again. Uh, and then I'll even have patients come in and say, well, I do this runner stretch and I tried, you know, I tried hanging off the step and it didn't get better. Um, but what, ha what really the problem is, is that they're not consistently stretching enough. So most of these people who have uh, plantar fasciitis have a tight calf. Number two, their weight. If they are overweight, it significantly increases the amount of pressure and trauma to the plantar fascia, which continues to agitate it and uh, cause more trouble. Um, then foot type. Okay. So um, if you have a neutral foot, you have a real uh, decreased risk of developing plantar fasciitis. People who have a pes planus type foot have a 20% higher risk of developing plantar fasciitis than the person with a normal arch. And then somebody with a, a pes cavus foot or a high arch is at 80% higher risk of developing plantar fasciitis than somebody with the normal arch. But in my clinic, I see way more people with pes planus. That's because there are many more of them. Okay. So if I took a thousand people with pes planus and a thousand people with pes cavus, the pes cavus people would have plantar fasciitis more often. It just happens to be that there are more pes planus people out there than pes cavus people. Okay. So those uh, increase the uh, risk of uh, developing plantar fasciitis. Women develop this more than men uh, for some reason. Um, we see it um, as a seasonal thing sometimes when people start to get out and start to um, walk more um, or run more, especially where the, the weather is a little cold in the winter. Um, they start to develop it because they're just doing too much too fast. And then people who, um, you know, may go uh, and change the type of footwear that they're in, you know, going from a sneaker to a flip-flop or going barefooted, um, you know, walking in soft sand can actually flare up the plantar fascia quite a bit. Um, and then and you're probably thinking, well, you know, it's supposed to be a good thing to be barefooted uh, and that's supposed to help develop strength. Yes, that is true. They've done studies where they've gone to Africa to tribes where people have never worn shoes in their lives. Um, and they've evaluated these people and asked them questions and like none of them had plantar fasciitis, but they can chase an antelope for 26 miles till it burns it out and, um, and, uh, and they don't have any plantar fasciitis. Um, and so that tells us that, you know, from a young age when you're born and, and you're putting a lot of pressure on your feet, you develop that the, the structures in your feet become um, harder and uh, develop and they can tolerate tensile uh, pressure much better. So, uh, but, you know, what we've done all of our lives is we've softened up our feet by putting something on them like shoes or sneakers or anything like that. So therefore the, uh, you know, when we go without, it stresses that fascia quite a bit. Um, so, uh, you know, those are some of the reasons why people get it now. Now that those are common, uh, issues. We see also trauma as being a, a problem, like people who stand on a, the rung of a stepladder that can cause the plantar fascia to get inflamed. And then it just keeps staying inflamed. Um, but here, here is the skunk we were talking about earlier. Okay. Um, you could also have other problems like a, a tumor uh, in around the heel or on the, the fascia. You can have a fibroma. 
you could have developed uh, an, an, a nerve entrapment like tarsal tunnel syndrome or a calcaneal nerve entrapment, which can mimic um, heel pain, plantar fascia discomfort, and um, and you can treat that fascia to get blue in the face. But if you've got an entrapment there, um, that can uh, be the source of your problem. And you also need to make sure that you rule out things like a stress fracture um, or Seaver's disease, uh, which we'll be talking about in, in the future. Um, so make sure that you, you try to rule that out. Um, so how do you how do you treat plantar fasciitis? Okay, now there there are many different ways people like to treat plantar fasciitis. I have done just about everything in 25 years. I've treated over 3,000 plantar fasciitis patients, um, sometimes bilaterally, and um, I have done everything from uh, manual mobilization to Graston-type techniques, um, to taping, to orthotics, to all kinds of things. And really, it comes down to a couple things. Number one, that patient has to have better gastroxoleus mobility. If they have perfect gastroxoleus mobility, then you need to put them into an orthotic, okay? We need to support that arch so it doesn't collapse as much and doesn't stress the fascia where it attaches to the calcaneal tubercle as much, okay? So I'm a big, big advocate of gastroxoleus stretches. Now, I first tell them, you know, when you go home, you are not going to be barefooted for the next four weeks. You're not going to be in stocking feet. You're going to wear something that has some cushioning to it. So if their plantar fasciitis um, is, um, you know, pain at the calcaneal tubercle and they have a spur there, um, no big deal. You know, everybody says, oh, I went to the doctor and I had an x-ray and and uh, I've got a heel spur and that's the source of my pain. Well, very, very few people uh, develop uh, heel pain or plantar fasciitis from the heel spur. Spur is there in almost everybody. Some of them uh, is just much, much larger and it has to be removed. But of the 3,000 plus people I have seen, I think I've seen two have um, a removal of the heel spur. Um, it's not the spur that causes the pain. It's a tissue that attaches to it that is the bigger pain generator here. So um, what I what I do is I get the gastroxoleus more flexible. Okay, that's number one. That calf is pulling on the backside of the heel. The plantar fascia is pulling on the bottom side of the heel, and they're pulling against each other. And um, so in the morning when people first get up, I tell them, do not put your feet on the floor until you've stretched your calf out with um, like a sheet or a towel or a belt or something like that, not TheraBand, uh, but something that is solid. I have them do several stretches before they put their feet on the floor. And I tell them all that if they do this, they're going to feel better when they take the first couple steps. And by golly gee, they come back the next time and they say, oh, you wouldn't believe it. I got out of bed. I felt so much better when I stretched before I put my feet on the floor. So that's a great way to um, have your patient develop confidence in you. Okay. Give them these little things that are really, really helpful. So no barefooted walking, stretching before you put your feet on the floor in the morning um, and a uh, a good shoe or even a, you know a temporary or sometimes even a custom or I do custom orthotics also and have very good success with that. But sometimes you don't even need to get that aggressive at first. You know, a good orthotic that stabilizes the heel from rocking back and forth and gives you a little bit of arch support um, can can be very, very helpful. Taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatories can also be helpful. I know some people uh, like to give injections for plantar fasciitis. 
the literature shows that um, in it, doing an injection can be the one treatment that gives patients the fastest relief, um, but does not really give them a re- relief for a very long time, okay? Um, and that's because you're really not addressing the biomechanical issues, which is really a majority of why people have plantar fasciitis. It's because they have some sort of biomechanical problem going on here. Um, so I'm not a big advocate of uh, injections, but if people absolutely do not get better with conservative management, um, then I I might say, yes, you're going to have an injection, but um, I will take that patient and I'll place them in a walker boot, okay, something with a cam uh, on the bottom and immobilize the foot and ankle. I do not use short walker boots for people with uh, severe plantar fasciitis. I use a full-length walker boot. I'm a big advocate of that because uh, you need that extra leverage to stop the excessive dorsiflexion and plantar flexion and decrease the trauma. So patients can still be very functional with a walker boot on. It allows the plantar fascia to rest. This is a good time to inject if you're going to inject um, or if you're going to do modalities uh, like iontophoresis, ultrasound, or anything else like that to the plantar fascia. Um, but we have used fracture walker boots. I have great success with them. The other thing you can use with a patient, especially if they have this morning discomfort, is a night splint. Now, there are many different types of night splints out there, and uh, I've, I've used them all um, from the sock to the, uh, the big boot. And uh, really, to be honest with you, I always put patients in the more bulky night splint. It holds on their foot better. It's more comfortable. They can get through the night a little bit better and doesn't slip off and and move. Um, And these people need to have the boot on before they wake up in the morning. Now, they can't put the boot on at 9 o'clock at night and then at 2 o'clock in the morning take it off because it's annoying them and then think they're going to get up at 6 o'clock and have relief. That's not going to work, okay? You need to wake up with a boot. So if somebody can't get through the night, what I tell them to do is put an alarm clock on at 1 o'clock, wake up, put the boot on, the night splint, I should say, put the night splint on and then make sure that you wake up with it. And those people will feel much more comfortable in the morning, okay? So, um, you know, it's really not an invasive way to manage plantar fasciitis and a lot of people have relief from that. Um, Once that inflammation settles down in the foot, I like to start intrinsic strengthening, okay? So we want to get those toe intrinsics working a little bit. I like to work on the uh, posterior tib musculature, anterior tib musculature, because those are dynamic supporters of the arch. And so I like to work on building that up a little bit and uh, make that stronger so that uh, there's, number one, better blood flow to the plantar surface of the foot. And then also um, there is a better strength, you know, eccentrically holding the foot up every time you take a step on it. And uh, so, you know, those are the ways that I like to treat um, plantar fasciitis. I also like to use ice before they go to bed at night. Um, if they're having a lot of discomfort in the uh, in the arch, I like to do a pure ice massage and then not walk on it after that, then go right to bed. Um, I find that they have uh, really good pain relief from that. And, um, and then if, you know, if you treat these conservatively and you've done all of these measures right here, um, there are great algorithms out there to follow also that, uh, that are all pretty standard. Um, but this is what has worked for me, uh, for 25 years. If it does not improve in a reasonable amount of time, and I'm talking about three to four months, they're just really not getting better, um, then you really need to have other testing done, diagnostic testing, MRIs, CAT scan, bone scan, whatever it might be. Um, refer these people over to um, a podiatrist and, and or a foot and ankle surgeon and have them take a look at it. There may be something else that is just um, causing uh, more irritation to the plantar fascia than should be. Um, 
But if you have any uh, questions about uh, plantar fasciitis or would like to make any comments about uh, how I like to manage it or how you like to manage it, uh, contact me at orthoevalpal.com on our Get in Touch page. I'll put the link in the show notes. And um, also, I have a video of a patient who actually has plantar fasciitis and how I evaluate the uh, plantar fascia. So you'll find that link in the show note also. And um, please, again, uh, get in touch. I would love a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, that really helps with uh, our uh, podcasting exposure. Uh, I, I want to continue doing this, and it's been great. And um, also, uh, don't forget to uh, check out uh, our uh, Easy Slant uh, website, and the uh, link to that will be in the uh, show notes. Also, I use slant boards um, every single day of my life. I'm a big advocate of gastroxoleus mobility on the appropriate patient, and um, I have just developed a product that is going to uh, increase compliance for patients. So make sure you go over to the Easy Slant uh, website, and I'll have that in the show notes also. So Thank you again for listening, and um, we will uh, be talking uh, more foot problems here in the near future, all right? Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.